Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, motivational speaker, women's empowerment coach, full-time psychology student, mama four, and military spouse. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and real stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, today I'm here with Julie. Julie Clough is a full-time entrepreneur, build a life after loss podcaster. So we'll link that up in the show notes, hope giver, life coach, grief recovery specialist, and artist, but not always in that order. She's the wife of a wonderful husband who brings the fun, the mother to six beautiful children, including two angels and a spectacularly young and vibrant grandma. She doesn't even look old enough to be a grandma. So side (laughs) note on that. Thank you. (laughs) She shares her story of the loss and grief of her two youngest children in a car accident on Mother's Day and her transformation to bring hope to others who are grieving. She believes powerfully in the human spirit and the ability for all to rise from the ashes and create beauty. And people are going to be hearing this on the day of the accident, which Julie and I just discovered that I was like, Hey, your podcast episode is airing May 13th. And she was like, that's ironic. So Julie, I'd love to have you take us back to that day and what happened. For sure. So it was 2007 and my three youngest children and I, they were um, 12, 10 and eight were traveling across country. And we've done this lots of times. And sometimes I had all my kids, but this particular day I had three of my children with me and we were super excited. We were going to go visit grandma and grandpa and which they loved because they lived out on like five acres, uh, the little stream. And so I was really looking forward to spending that time there and, you know, just having that freedom of being out in the country. And um, so that's, that's where we were headed. And it was the most odd, um, horrific day ended up being because about halfway through the afternoon, I fell asleep driving. And the, the reason I say it was so weird is I do not remember being tired at all. I remember joking around with my 12-year-old son who was sitting in the front seat with me. And then the next thing I know, we're going off the road and... I, I went to correct the car. It was a Suburban and it rolled. And so the SUV we were driving rolled over and over and over again. And the minute the car stopped rolling, I knew that my life was changed forever um, because it was just, I, I actually lost my eyesight for a couple of minutes. Um, I don't even know how long, but I couldn't see anything when we stopped rolling. I was paralyzed just from pain and from anguish. And I remember I, I, I heard my son next to me and he was crying and in pain. And I, but I could not hear my other children in the car and I kept calling their names and they weren't answering. And I just started screaming. I killed my children. I killed my children. It was devastating, um, but they were thrown for the, from the car. The two youngest, Carrie, was 10 years old at the time. Um, she was my beautiful little sweetheart that loved people and had all these friends. And, and then my eight-year-old son, who was <laughs> hilarious and rambunctious, and they were both thrown from the car, and they didn't survive the accident. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's how all of this 
I mean, it was just, I, I can't even describe, even when I look back on it, it's just like, did that really happen? I mean, it's just mm-hmm. so overwhelming, even 12 years later. And yet at the same time, I've been able to come to terms with it, adjust, and really have a remarkable life right now. So, yeah. So people might be thinking, what was going through your mind at, like in the week, the weeks and the days and months and even possibly years afterwards, you know, because this is something that I, we can, we can't even imagine if we haven't like lost a child, mm-hmm. like much less in a car accident, you know, um, especially being the person that was driving, because I know that every time I get in the car with my kids, I'm like, what? if something happens, you know, yeah. cause you just, you just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And we've all, yeah. my, I, side note, we've all drove tired. You know, I remember one time driving th- straight from Georgia to Virginia in the middle of the night and probably wow. dozed off several times while driving very yeah. dangerous. So it, it really hits me hard listening to your story. Yeah. And you know, that was what was so weird about it is because even looking back, I was like, I do not remember even having a moment of feeling tired because I've driven that way before too, where you're like trying to keep your eyes open. You you wish you had toothpicks, you know, the proverbial toothpicks to keep your eyes open. And it just was not, it was just not that way. And for me, um, now I just, I realized it was their time. I, I, I personally feel like people don't go before their time, mm-hmm. uh, but that does not mean that it wasn't horrifically painful. It was horrifically painful. And I, for months and years beat myself up and, um, I was just in a horrible place. I had PTSD after the accident. Mm-hmm. I had difficulty driving. I was not functioning well in my day to day. I would sit and watch TV for hours watching things like celebrity rehab and Mm -hmm. um, uh, hoarders and just, but I just, yeah. So I just sat for hours just uh, trying to make sense of the whole thing. And frankly, I was so blessed with a husband who was willing to, to forgive. Like he never, ever, ever said to me, what were you thinking? Why did you do that? Never, ever, ever. And so I'm just super, super grateful for that. There were some things that I did right. And that was, I feel like I, I just allowed people to be there the way they felt comfortable. In other words, I never, I never overly worried about whether or not somebody showed up or what they said to me or, you know, how we, when we're trying to comfort someone who's gone through a loss, like how we, we feel like there's just not words because there's just not words. There Mm -hmm. really aren't. And I think I just recognized that from the very beginning was that there just were not words. And so I gave people a lot of grace. I just didn't worry too much about that kind of thing. So that was the good thing that I did, but there were a lot of just super, super painful moments. Uh, I, I ended up in therapy for two and a half years 
I actually didn't go to ther- therapy. I'm trying to, I'm always trying to remember exactly when I started going to therapy, but I, I initially, my husband was anxious for all of us to see somebody. So the whole family went and met with a therapist one night. And I, I want to say it was two or three weeks after the accident. And that was just like a one-time thing. We just went and we talked to somebody and I came away from that because one of the things the therapist said was, you, you're, I can tell you're a strong woman. I don't know where that came from. I'd never met him before. Um, but then he said, we get to choose. We get to choose happiness. And so for the next three years, I beat myself up because I wasn't choosing happiness. Right. And I, and I realize now, looking back, I didn't want to choose happiness. That just mm-hmm. wasn't where I was at. And that wasn't appropriate for me. I, want, I needed to have that time to just be sad and angry and mourn and whatever needed to happen. One thing that he did tell me that was super helpful was you're going to have crazy thoughts. And mm-hmm. we did, we did. We, yeah. you know, it's when your psyche is trying to recover, trying to make sense of something like that. Definitely. Your brain just kind of goes crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, I can only imagine. I know that the trauma that I've been through in my life has made my brain go different ways as well. And I can't imagine something like that because that is trauma um, mm-hmm. for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. Um, even your family members who weren't directly involved because, you know, it's a loss of somebody that they're close to. Uh, and I was going to ask about your husband and that's amazing um, yeah. because you can see how that could go the opposite way, you know? And I feel like that's a mature way of somebody to handle a situation like that instead of like losing it and placing blame in different places. So mm-hmm. that's a, a, you must be very proud to be married to such an amazing man. I really, I really am. And I, I think he could see that I was heaping so much blame on myself that, mm-hmm. um, you know, he was worried about me too. And I was worried about him. And, and at first, and I think this is really important for your audience to know too, is that if you are, you know, in a husband wife relationship and something like this happens at first, it brings you together because you're just, and this was our experience. And and this is the experience that I've heard from other people too. It's it's never always the same, right? right. But, but this is just a, an example of the experience that we had was at first it really brought us together. Like we, you know, my husband, uh, we were so incredibly blessed. Um, his work just, he, he was working in a, in a position where they had kind of wrapped up their year mm-hmm. and his work was just like, take as much time as you need. And so he was literally home for, I want to say two months or more. Wow. Taking care of me, taking care of our son who had to have emergency surgery uh, that day and um, just really just being there and being there together. And, and like I said, at first we really felt this closeness. Our pain brought us kind of together, but it wasn't long before we, we were, we were coming to our grief in a different way. Like, I, I approached it one way, he approached it another way. And, you know, that's totally okay. 
It's totally, I mean, everybody has their own personality. And my experience, even though we were married and even though these were our children, my experience was different than my husband's experience. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes sense though, because you guys went through something different, you know, Mm -hmm. you were actually there and went through what happened where he is kind of the person that doesn't know or have that memory of exactly what what was occurring, you know, you know, exactly what you saw and experienced during that moment. And he'll never be able to understand that, which is not a a slam on him. It's just reality. Right. And I'll never be able to know exactly what he experienced as well. And I, yeah, it's, and, and my aunt who's a social worker at one point, she explained it this way. And that was that it's like we were two people in different beds at the hospital in pain invalids because of our grief that could can't really help each other right and so that's an an interesting way to look at it as well yeah and you said that you started therapy so was that like several years after and what made you decide to start therapy I started therapy three to six months after, and okay. it was a therapist that I was familiar with um, that I we had used in the past for other situations. Right. And um, so I I pretty, I, I can't remember if it was like three or six, I want to say it was more like six months afterwards. I just realized I just was not coping well. I, I wasn't able to really drive. When I did drive, it was a horrific situation where I just, it was almost like an out-of-body experience. Every time I tried to drive, Mm -hmm. I just, I couldn't focus and I was um, just terrified every time. So I started going to a therapist and she, she really worked with me through my PTSD. There were other things that I did that I really felt like were valuable. One thing that I felt like was a huge blessing was that I had started playing competitive tennis just um, a couple of months before the accident. And I wasn't able to right after the accident, I wasn't able to get back to that right away because I injured my wrist and had some shoulder issues going on. But as soon as I was physically able to, I rejoined the team. And that was super valuable to me because it gave me a physical outlet. I was outside, which I think is so healing. Yeah. I was doing something physical, which is wonderful because that helps get all those emotions moving. And I was around other people. So I had the social outlet too, which a lot of times when we go through something traumatic, we isolate, which I certainly was doing a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I know that for a lot of people, that social, I mean, I'm an introvert, but that social aspect, even like one-on-one in an intimate setting can be really, really helpful in working through things. I mean, therapy has its place and I'm going to school to be a licensed psychologist, Right. but you also need those people who aren't looking at it from a clinical perspective, but they're just there. So I would love for you to share how people can support somebody who has, who's grieving, who has gone through a loss. Like you, cause a lot of us, like you said earlier, are like, I have no idea what to do. So from your perspective, what was most helpful to you? You know, honestly, those people that were close enough to me and this, 
that doesn't mean they have to be my best friend, but somebody mm-hmm. that knows me that we're willing to just come over and just be there and say, I have no idea what to say, but I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. And just, I really think that that's just part of the comfort is just having people around. Um, I think that's super valuable. Just going in, we had, we had so many people that came and helped. We had people that would come over and just clean the dishes or mm-hmm. wipe down the kitchen or we had meals brought in, I want to say for a year afterwards. I mean, it was just like for months and months that we just were for, it just felt like forever. I don't think I walked into a grocery store for a year. Like I'm, I'm sure I'm remembering this wrong, but I know that we had food coming in for a long, long time. We had a lot of family that came into town, a lot of people that were there and, and people would bring in enough food for, you know, 13, 15 people. I mean, it was, it was really remarkable. The, the love that we felt, we, I had been homeschooling my children, so I'd worked a corporate job, and then I, I left that to start homeschooling my children, and I, um, at the time of the accident, I was still homeschooling, and so our homeschool group, all the kids and the families in our homeschool group came, they were like, what do, what do we do? I mean, these kids were hurting too, right. and that's the thing to remember is that our friends are hurting too. They're like, not that we should be comforting the, them, but like, it's um, when we're when we're going to comfort someone else, we are hurting as well. Mm-hmm. And I think these kids were hurting. These were my kids' friends. The families were hurting, and they just came over to our house and planted flowers everywhere. And every inch of our flower beds had flowers. And I think that was just a way for them to do something to express their love and concern and to. Um, share in some of that pain. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times we, we struggle to like, like we talked about earlier, support those people, but being able to do it, I think as somebody that went, you know, is grieving and allowing people to do it in their own way, I think is an important lesson for anybody who's grieving because not everybody's going to be able to express it in the same way. You know, for some, we all have different love languages for anybody who's read the five love languages. We all have it in different ways for some people, you know, it's gift getting, giving for some people, it's acts of service for some people. It's just, you know, being in proximity with the person. And, um, I think that again, back to maturity is a mature way to allow people to express their grief, but also support you and what you're going through. Cause like you said, they are grieving too. They lost somebody that they're close to, or they know, and they may not be as close to the person as you were, but they're still in some way grieving a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if they're close enough to you to, to come over to your house, they're hurting too. Yeah, definitely. So we talked about how you went through therapy and you were doing the tennis. What other ways were you able to heal and help yourself and your family through this grieving process? You know, it's interesting that you mentioned my family because we, like, like we said in the intro, I have six children and my oldest was off at college when this happened. And I had a daughter that was two weeks away from graduating from high school. Um, the high school was fabulous. She never even went back to class, but she had good grades and they were just like, you know what? You already have A's. We're just no reason for you to come back for exams and all that because anyway, 
I won't go into all those details, but anyway, and then I had two boys and then my 12 year old of course was in the accident and he had emergency surgery just after, and then my 15 year old son. And I was just not, so right after the accident, not long after the accident, we went from actually having everyone home because my oldest that was in college had been home for a couple of months in between semesters recently but we went from having everybody at home to just the four of us. So it was just Mm -hmm. me and my husband, our 12 year old son and our 15 year old son. And frankly, I, that's another reason. That's another way that I beat myself up during that time was Mm -hmm. I was not being the mother that I wanted to be to my boys. And I felt very, very guilty. And now looking back, I realized that guilt was misplaced, but this is part of their, everyone has life experience, right? And I think that this is part, this was part of their life experience was having a mother that was in a lot of pain that was not able to really be there for them. Mm-hmm. And I, it wasn't that I was completely neglectful, but at the same time, I just, you know, just, I was dealing with my own my own stuff. And I think when we are dealing with grief, the way I, I have come to visualize it is like, it takes over a percentage of our brain mm-hmm. and it takes over, you know, I want to say 70, 80, maybe 90, you know, hundred percent at the beginning. And, and slowly we start to adapt and it, and it takes over less and less of our brain, but giving ourselves permission and grace to be able to just experience what we're experiencing. And I, I wasn't, so just have adding that guilt and the blame and the self um, hatred almost to all the pain that I was already experiencing was just not helpful. And, And that's, that's one of the reasons that's one of my messages that I continuously tell people is we just have to learn how to love ourselves. Mm -hmm. We have to learn no matter where we are in our journey, if we're going through something difficult or we're not, we have to learn to love ourselves. We we just really do. And I think going to therapy, having that outlet with, uh, with tennis, we never, you know, my tennis friends and I, we, it was a safe space. It was a place where I could go and we didn't really talk about the accident. Not that it didn't come out every once in a while because my kid, you know, my son was friends with one of the other um, mother's sons and, you know, not that it wouldn't come up every once in a while, but for the most part, it was just safe. And, um, and just slowly, once my, once my therapist, you know, going to therapy and one of the things that she shared with me early on was you've got to find other support Mm -hmm. because therapy is once a week, you know, for an hour or twice a week or whatever you just do but it can't be your whole support. Um, it becomes part of your support, but not your whole support. And um, for me, it was continuing religious practice that I had already was, you know, spiritual practice was super important to me. And um, it was different than it was before, but it was super important to me that I just, I kind of try to continue to, to do those things that I know in the past had helped me and strengthened me. And so I wanted to continue to do those things. Um, having that social outlet, being around other people, it's not easy sometimes. I think a lot of times what happens when we're especially going through something that's so public 
is when we're in public and we're with other people, we start thinking about how we're acting and whether we're acting the way other people think we should be acting. Right. Like, are they going to, if I laugh, are they going to think I didn't love my children? Mm. If I cry, are they th- going to think I'm weak? You know, it's, it's all those little things. It's, and we, and we become like actors on stage trying to play the part. And I, I think that it's just important for us to just be real yeah, and be okay with tears and be okay with laughter and recognize that when the happiness comes back, don't push it away out of guilt. Just accept that, you know, I'm grateful that I can be happy right now. Yeah. And not, and not push people away. Right. Because they want to be there for you. Cause I see a lot of times when people are grieving, they start like, pushing other people away, attacking them, you know, cutting people out of their lives that are like, I just want to be here for you. I, mm-hmm. I just want to support you. But instead they make their grief even worse because now they've pushed everybody away. Yeah. Do you, do you find that with your work that people do that as well? Well, it goes back to the, the thought that hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. And when you've experienced something painful, it's like you're in the middle of an operation and you've just been cut open. And so everything that happens is super sensitive because your nerves are right there. And, and I think that's something to recognize when we are trying to help other people is to recognize that, that they are going to be sensitive Mm -hmm. and that we, and, and when people say, you know, like we talked about how you have crazy thoughts in your head. So when you have crazy thoughts in your head, sometimes crazy things come out of your mouth because that's what's in your head. Right. And so I think when people are trying to be there for someone else, if you're trying to be there for someone else, you just recognize that it's their grief talking Mm -hmm. and, and try not to take it personally, try not to take it um, as if it's a personal attack, but more it's their grief talking and it's, it's all the adjusting and the, the recovery, all that stuff that's going on. That's, that's helping them to get better. It doesn't look like it, but all those things that are going on are, are helping them to start to adjust and to come to terms with their new reality. Yeah. And I would love, so I just briefly mentioned, and we mentioned in your bio, how you have taken your grief and you have done something productive with it. Like you're helping, you're helping other people. So can you share with us a little bit how that transition happened? how did you go from grieving yourself? And which, oh, you're always going to be grieving. It's never going to go away a hundred percent, but taking that and now using it to help other people. Yeah. Well, you know, first I want to just say that I think that, um, I think that the, the, there's a misconception and I think it's actually, actually hurts, especially women who have lost children. There's this, there's this, um, there's this thought that you never get over it. And there is a certainly a sadness that comes on anniversaries and birthdays but I'm at a place where I can celebrate my children. I love my children. I'm grateful that they were, are my children, that they came to my home, 
that we had that time together mm-hmm. and that I homeschooled even because then I had so much even more time with them. But, and, and it's not that I don't miss them and it's not that I don't have moments of sadness, but I don't sit in grief. And, mm-hmm. and I, and I, you know, my religious background, I, I believe that I will be with them again. I believe mm-hmm. that there's life after this life. I believe that I will be there with them again. And I do think that that helps. Um, but everybody has to, to come to terms with their own belief system and what they think. Um, but what was your question? <laughs> I, yeah. I think I, the reason I want to say that, the reason I wanted to mention that was because I think sometimes the message out there, like when I get on Facebook groups for women who have lost children, the message is the grief is always there with every pounding of your heart, with every oh, top yeah. of the, and, and I just think when we hear that message and we start to feel happy, we go, oh, I can't feel happy. Mm-hmm. And we, we push the happiness away because we think that this is the way it's supposed to look like. It's supposed to be, I'm supposed to be in grief the rest of my life. And if I'm not in grief, I must not have loved my children. And I just want to say that is not true. I just do not believe that that's true. I want to love my children. I want to remember them as who they are, not the accident. Right. No, I'm glad you clarified that. Um, because what I meant by my comment was like you are talking about, like you'll feel sadness on their birthdays right. and stuff like that. But I mean, eventually at some point in time, it gets to the point that you don't forget about them, but you're no longer just wallowing in the grief. So I'm glad that you clarified that. And yes. my question was, how did you end up tra- transitioning from that grief and using your experience to now help other people? How did that transition happen? Thanks for the reminder. Now I Absolutely. do remember the question. <laughs> I, I, um, I, I think what happened for me was it, it wasn't something that happened right away. Mm-hmm. And I know that there are, are, are people out there that, you know, they have something happen and immediately they want to try to find a way. And that was just not the case for me at all. Mm-hmm. And, and actually it was about five years later that I was having I'd met somebody and, um, and I want, I don't want to take the time to go into the whole story, but essentially he said, you're supposed to do something with this. And it just like, like spoke to my soul. I don't know if you've ever had an experience like where you're just like, okay, so a hammer and hammered over my head. This is what I'm supposed to do. But I had no idea what it looked like. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I knew there was something I was supposed to do, but I didn't know what it looked like. And so I just kind of, for the next several years, I was just looking and, and frankly, a couple of years after that, I thought, okay, I'm just going to go back and get my therapy um, degree and get my license. And that's what I'm supposed to do. The reality was that wasn't it. And I actually signed up for classes Mm -hmm. and I did all this. And then I was like, this is it. It just, did not feel right at all. Mm-hmm. And so I, I canceled all those classes and I just went on my way and I kept looking and I kept looking. And eventually I was introduced to life coaching and I started meeting with a life coach. And I, you know, interviewed some people and found a life coach and I saw such huge transformation in my life from that experience. And I realized that that was the thing because I remember the day sitting in my therapist's office and she said, you're good. You're, 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 you're fine. We don't, you know, we don't need to continue. You're doing well. And I was like, 
oh my gosh, what am I supposed to do now? Mm-hmm. Like my, my life has turned upside down. I don't know what to do with it. And I don't know how to move forward. Yes, I do feel better. Yes, I am doing better. Yes, I'm able to drive a car, but I don't know what to do next. And I realized that that was the missing piece, that that's what I wanted to do was I wanted to help people to support them through their grief, but then also help them to reimagine what their life could be, Mm. discover their vision and their purpose for their life. And I also want to say that I do not think that because we've gone through something hard, that that necessarily means every single time that we're supposed to be going out there and using that in some way. But um, in my case, I felt really um, drawn to do that. Yeah. Mine actually happened the opposite way. So I was a life coach and then I was like, I think I need to be a therapist, which I mean, now that I made that decision, every piece is falling in line. And Isn't I was that like, interesting? Yeah. I was like, <laughs> got into my number one pick for school for Connecticut. That's where we're moving. And I was like, how is this all happening? Like, it just seems to like be lining up. And I'm like, oh, it's because like the universe is clearing the path for what I want to do, you know? And, you know, finding a therapist, my therapist now, who is very supportive and who was like, and every person I've told this is what I want to do. They're like, you're going to be so good at that. That's exactly what you'd be good at. I'm like, Oh, so you all knew this all along. I'm just now seeing it. Great. Why didn't you clue me in earlier? (laughs) So I love how you saw that as well as you thought maybe you wanted to be a therapist, but that wasn't really like, didn't feel right. And then you decided to be a life coach and everything just started lining up. We're like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Thank you. Thank you for telling me. For sure. For sure. I, yeah, it's just, it's been, it's been remarkable. And, and then I, I got certified as a grief recovery specialist, which I felt like was a really important part of yeah. what I was doing. I wanted to, to have the, the skill in the background to not only have my own experience, but everybody's experience is different. You know, right. we're all, we're all unique and individual and all of our experiences are different. So Yeah. I would love to have you share some tips for those people that are grieving who have lost somebody or for those of us who have not, but maybe in the future. And maybe this is something they're like, you know what? I heard on the inspired women podcast, this episode about grief, and maybe I need to revisit it because there were some tips in there that could be really helpful to me. Yeah. You know, one of, one of my major tips and one of the things I talk about a lot on my podcast is just that need to love ourselves. And it sounds crazy, but when we really truly can look in the mirror and look at, look ourselves in the eye and say, I love you, it makes all the difference in everything else. And so, you know, being okay with our grief, Mm -hmm. recognizing that it's normal and natural, recognizing that we get to feel our feelings and we get to feel it a hundred percent. And then uh, when we're in a position where we can kind of look at it from the outside. So when you're in the middle of feeling something, you're feeling sad, you're feeling whatever it is, that's not the time to try to like talk yourself out of it or do something. It's just like with you, if you're talking to a friend that's sad, talking, trying to talk them out of it is never, ever helpful. Mm -hmm. What's helpful is listening. 
what's helpful is, is, is just being there for them and listening and letting them get all those feelings out. And so basically that's the same thing we're doing for ourselves. We're allowing ourselves to feel everything because there's a whole lot of, you know, there's chemistry involved in, in grief. There's, there's chemical reactions going on in our body. There's, um, there's all these emotions that need a place to go. Mm-hmm. And so if we try to stop ourselves from feeling what we're feeling, then we're just taking all of that yuckiness and we're just sinking it deep in our gut. And if we can allow it and allow that, that pain to come out, um, journaling is super, super valuable. And you, and I was amazed when I started doing better and I looked at some of the things I wrote, I was like, Oh my gosh. Now I don't recommend, recommend doing that. (laughs) I don't recommend going back and rereading it, but you get all the yucky out, you write it all down and then you take that and you tear it up and you throw it away because what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring it up and out. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, Another thing that that's super helpful is if, and this is down the line, I mean, I don't, I don't recommend doing this right away, but as you're starting to like, it's not taking over a hundred percent of your brain, but it's taking over, you know, 30% of your brain. So you've got some, some, uh, some function left is you can actually look at the times when you've been sad and, and determine where it was coming from. Were you sad because of the actual event that you want to be sad about? Like losing my children. I wanted to be sad about that. I wanted to grieve that. Right. But, or was I upset because a friend didn't show up that I was expecting to show up? Like there's that difference between the dirty pain and the clean pain. And we want, and we can kind of examine and and determine, is this clean pain or is this dirty pain? Is this, am I heaping pain on myself because I think a certain person should act a certain way or um, situation should be different? Then, then we can kind of examine that and examine our thoughts and, and create a new thought that can help us to, you know, my friend didn't show up and that's okay. We just neutralize it a little bit right? and, and give everybody the, the permission to be their to be themselves to be their adults they get to decide so that's a couple of things yeah it's so true I have a problem with that when I have expect expectations of like an event or people and then they don't like line up with that expectation I'm just like what because I I actually am going to be making a, a a short little podcast episode about how we're all adults and how people react poorly to certain things. Like for example, when I have to send people a podcast denial for their application, many times people do not react in a positive manner. Like, (laughs) and so I like how you pointed that out where you have the dirty pain and the clean pain and how we need to be really mindful of our reactions and how we're doing that and why and how we can reframe that. So as we wrap up the podcast, what is something that you'd like to leave the inspired women audience with about anything that we've talked about on the podcast episode or anything we maybe didn't talk about on the podcast episode? Well, I think one thing is that if we're, if we're experiencing something that's bringing grief to us, that 
if it is taking over a major part of our brain, <laughs> then we do need to give ourselves space for that. And just trying to push through, just trying to work harder, just trying to do things that distract us is not always helpful. Uh, we do need to allow ourselves the space to do that. Another thing is the way that we feel today is not necessarily the way we are going to feel tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean, and I'm not talking about Monday to Tuesday, I'm talking about this month to next month, this year to next year. And to just be patient with ourselves. If we're, if you're going through a really difficult time, just give yourself the space to be able to feel those feelings, to have time to journal and get all of that out. And, and then realize that just because I feel like my world has ended today does not necessarily mean that this is the way my life is going to look like the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I can imagine that you can get stuck in that place. Right. And, and then you, you, you don't move on and through it. And that doesn't just harm you. That harms everybody around you because you would not be able to say in your bio that you're happily married and you have all these children and you're a grandmother, because if you stayed stuck in that grief cycle and never made your way out, you would not be able to be fully present with your family. Yeah. And the one thing I never, ever want to say to people is at, at three, three year mark, I was doing a lot better. So therefore you have three right. years <laughs> that that's never, ever, ever. Am I intending to ever tell people that this is the formula you do this, this month, and you do this, this month. And by three years, you're here. That is not ever my message. It's just, we have to do what's best for us. And we have to give ourselves permission, permission to grieve, permission to feel those feelings and, and be able to move up and out and, and recognize that you are stronger than you know, and that you can transform your life and have a wonderful life. Well, Julie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.